Tension punters, we have exciting news. Yes, we do. We are now on Dabble. Dabble is an Aussie-owned bookie that is absolutely changing the game of gambling. Any bets that we mention in this podcast, you can use their unique system of the copy bet feature to put the bet on yourselves with no time wasted. That's exactly right, Nico. We do the research for you, punters. We build the multis, and with the press of a single button, you can put our bets straight on. It's that easy. So you can go on the Dabble app and follow us at the Mock Sports and start winning with us this sporting season. Click the link in the show notes when signing up. Use the code the Mock Sports to let them know that we sent you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Fair Bump. Play on the Mock Sports new AFL podcast. Back for round three. Mitchell Cashmore joined as always by Nick Highland. How are you, my friend? Good mate. Um, always happy to be here. Um, sorry, punters. Last week we had a couple of technical difficulties that wouldn't let us get our podcast out. Um, but we're back this week, and yeah, a couple of things to chat about before we get into last week's round of review. Uh, yes, lot, a lot to discuss. We might touch on a couple of things from the last two rounds that we uh we missed out on talking about last week, of course. But the main thing, the big thing, his name's Buddy Franklin. He kicked a thousand goals, and we were there, weren't we, Nick? Yeah, it was huge, mate. Um, I was off my head. I had a couple too many beers. Um, running on the field, it was it was insane. Once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, it just shows why we love AFL football. I think every everyone was tuned in and at least saw it on the TV, even if it wasn't an AFL fan. It was great for the game, and I reckon it brought brought probably a lot of fans to the game. I think so. Um, yeah, it's it's awesome to see. Oh my god! It best night of my life. By far, I texted my girlfriend. I said, sorry, babe, but if we ever get married, this is topping the wedding night. Like, jeez, it was it's just crazy. It, you can't really put into words. You had to be there. It's just one of those moments. Of course it looks good. Of course it looks good um, on TV, but, um, like, just being at the grounds, just a different thing, you know, just the whole atmosphere all night growing every time he touched the ball. He only touched it like 10 times, but literally any time he got within the three metres of that ball, everyone was up and about. And every time he put one through the big sticks, oh, my God, the place came unglued. And then when he finally kicked it, Nick, you can explain what happened. I was nuts. It was just absolute get out on that field and start running as fast as you boys could. That's what it was. And... Yeah, it was awesome. He's he kicked four four goals, no behinds, and just dominated. And it was it was awesome to see. And yeah, once in a lifetime opportunity. Yeah, and we we walked away with some uh, some souvenirs, didn't we? Yeah, look, um, not my proudest moment, but we walked away <laughs> with a seat from the SCG. Um, oh, it's a it's great man, bit of memorabilia. We didn't break it though. We didn't break it. Just saying, people. Every time time I've told the story, people seem to think that we jumped up on the seat and jumped on it and ripped it off until it came off. No, it broke under our weight as we were trying to leave. You know, the classic uh, didn't want to wait for the queue, getting out of the aisle, so we climbed over the aisle and stood on the seat, broke under our weight, and we weren't leaving it there, weren't we, Nick? No, I wasn't walking out without it. But, um, yeah, I've told a different every single person a different story about how I walked out with that, so... Um, yeah, see see what happens with it. But yeah, it was a great souvenir to get, I guess. But yeah, like I said, a couple too many beers. But um yeah, <laughs> we'll we'll move on from that. Um anything else you want to touch on from earlier in the week? I mean, 
there's some big news points, but like you know, just talking about Buddy is they've gotten me frazzled out of out of it. Um, of course, Dustin Martin. The, that's the big the big talking point. Uh, what's going on there? Do you think he's uh gonna be coming back, or do you think he's maybe weighing up the fact that he doesn't really have the heart to play footy anymore, and he's not coming back? Oh, I reckon he'll he'll finish out this year. Um, I, I'm not too worried. I think he's he's got probably two weeks of just sitting out of it. But um, yeah, he's probably not not too long about about leaving. Um, but yeah, he I think he's the type of player that wants to leave where he's not out of the game and he's not um on his way down in the, in the league. Like he's still a pretty dominant footballer and um overall overall there. I think that he'll want to leave while he's while while he's on top, so he can can be remembered as always that good player. So, um, because he's one of those kind of players, but yeah, he's still still a very good player. Just think he needs a couple of weeks to himself. Um, but I think he'll be back for the remainder of the season. Yeah, certainly, my heart goes out to him. From all reports, he's absolutely heartbroken from the loss of his father. We all know how close he was, especially after he got kicked out of Australia and forced to New Zealand. Dusty, literally, any time he had some spare time, he was over there seeing him. Yeah, they had such a close bond, and since he's died, you know, the club's come out, and sources within the club have come out and said that Dusty, literally every week, one day he'd rock up, and he'd be the old Dusty, he'd be ready to play, he'd be, you know, training in, getting 40 touches in prac matches, and then the next day he'd rock up, and he'd just not be in it. Like, his heart wouldn't be in it, he didn't want to be there, you know, he was visibly off, his skills were off, everything about him wasn't the same Dusty, and I think it's all come to a boiling point. He just needs to take a few weeks away, like you said, readjust, really go through a strong morning period, and then if he comes back, he comes back. And if he says goodbye, honestly, I think it would be a massive shock considering his status within the game. If he left the AFL at the height of his career, it would be absolutely massive, but I honestly couldn't blame him. It's just, you know... Players' mental health takes precedence over the game. So from both of us here at the Mock Sports, Dusty, I know you're not listening, but we're definitely sending our thoughts and prayers out to you and hope that you are do recover and come back out on the football field because the game is definitely better for it. But Dusty does not owe the game anything. He's done enough for the game within his you know career already, but I guess we'll see what happens, eh, Nick? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Touched well, but, uh, yeah, but uh, definitely plenty of other points that we would have missed throughout the uh, last two weeks. They might come up during the round reviews and uh, previews, but yeah, I think we've talked about the main two ones that are relevant right now. So let's uh, head straight into the round review of last week, shall we, Nick? 100%. Let's get straight into it. So obviously opened up with your your team, the Bulldogs and Carlton. Um, yes. Like I said, we didn't get... Get to get our podcast out, but I actually did tip Carlton. Um, not too surprised about this one, to be honest. I feel like Carlton, um, with Paddy Cripps on top of his game and Sam Walsh back into the team, I knew I knew that they were going to be unstoppable, to be honest. And when Chera comes back into this side, I tell you what, Carlton are looking like a genuine top six side at the moment. So um, yeah, it's going to be great to see. So I wasn't too surprised, but you just Paddy Cripps isn't he's back to his best. I love to say it. He's um one of the best footballers to watch, in my opinion. You've written him off so many times, and that's that's what you can't do to these champion football players because they just come back. You you can never write them off. So, um, but yeah, special mention to George Hewitt and Matt Kennedy. 
as well. I feel like those two have really stepped up in the midfield and just um, really gelling well with their forward line with um, Harry Mackay. And it's great to see Charlie Kono back as well, kicking five goals. So, um, But yeah, I, the, they've got a really good list and I reckon it's 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 their breakout year this year. Um, but yeah, they, they honestly could go all the way and I wouldn't be surprised. So it's great to see. Yeah, okay. My turn. Um, Bulldogs. They're my team. A lot of people have told me in the past I'm a very harsh, harsh critic of football in general. They say that I, I'm very, very harsh to a lot of teams, and I'm about to be harsh to the Bulldogs. Um, round one against the Ds. First half, good. Second half, some of the worst football I've seen them play in the last three years because they are a team that basically innovated this new style that the whole competition's gotten on board with. Uh, tap down, bang, hands, 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 out to the ring, move it fast, bang inside 50, mark, goal within 30 seconds. They innovated that. That's what won them the premiership in 2016. That's where the game has moved since. Um, But unfortunately, in that second half, they went back to the old style of football that I've touched on before, that Geelong, what keeps them as such a slow team that they've actually improved on, and we'll touch on that later, of the take a mark, come back, find an option, chip it to them, take a mark, come back, find an option, Chip it to them, take a mark, repeat. And it just doesn't work in the modern day. It, and it definitely doesn't work against a team like Melbourne, whose whole game plan is based around knocking you off at half back and rebounding that ball and going coast to coast within 20 seconds and getting a goal. Played right into their hands, and I think that's what got it done. Um, got it done for Melbourne in there. Coming into last week against Carlton, quite quite simply, we can touch on we can ignore the fact that Bontempelli was you know, not at 100%. We can ignore the fact that Norton had to go off injured. We can ignore the fact that there were contentious umpire calls going both ways throughout the game in very key areas. I think simply, at the end of the day, Carlton was too good for Bulldogs and Carlton's game plan exposes the Bulldogs' back line and Bulldogs really need to take a look at last week and that's what's going to help them bounce back from this 0-2 start. I think the... the in, the grand final last year and that round one game against the Melbourne, those two those two games against the Melbourne Demons have shown the rest of the competition the Bulldogs one weakness on show, and that's their defence. So if you beat their midfield, which is the best midfield in the comp and what often wins them those games, I reckon you have... If you can do that, you're at the advantage. And Carlton did that. They tapped the ball down and they went hell for lever. They made sure they won that contest and got it into that forward line as quickly as possible so the Bulldogs' um, weak defense couldn't respond. And we all saw what happened. Bulldogs, of course, showed some great signs coming in late. They corrected that. They tagged Paddy Cripps. They limited his impact in the second half. It was the Bulldogs of old in that second half, and the only reason we lost that was because it was the poor kicking at goals. If we'd kicked straight, we would have won that by about 20 points, I think, in the end. But honestly, I think that's all that... I need to say about the Bulldogs. I think uh, old Bevo just needs to stick a rocket up them like he stuck uh, stuck a rocket up Tom Morris after that first game. Bloody Jesus, that was uh, very uh, very interesting to say the least. But yeah, what do you think, Nick? Do you think I'm around the mark on that, or do you think I'm just being harsh? Um, it's it's yeah, it's fair call. Um, I think we need to move on because we don't have enough time to go through each of these games in that much detail, to be honest. So I'm um, all... We'll... Yeah, sorry. I just, As a Bulldogs fan, I wanted to put it out there for that full analysis. But you're right. Let's uh, get through it quicker than that. Yeah. Sorry, punters. No, you're all good. So uh, Swans versus Geelong, obviously, 
It's going to be a big game. Buddy on top. Um, Swans absolutely dominated. You're just watching them. Another another top four side, I'd say. Um, they're just some of those young players are coming out of it really good. I read a stat somewhere that Callum Mills and Chad Warner um, had their best two games um, that they've ever played based on statistics from the AFL. So yeah, you love to see a thirty point win by Sydney. Um, do you have anything else to really touch on on that? Um... Like I said earlier, Geelong, much better this year as they saw in round one and in this game. Much better. They're playing free-flying football. It's no longer the chip, go back, take a mark. Um, they're really taking it to these teams, but Swans outplayed them. And I think Swans, in those first two rounds, have proven they're red-hot crack at the Premiership this year. I could, I, I now am on board with you when you put them third on the ladder. They could definitely be a top 14 this year. They're just the way they're playing... Uh, you got Paddy McCartan back. You said to me at the game, he's very much like the old Heath Grundy. He's playing outstanding defensive football. You've got Callum Mills and Isaac Heaney in the midfield that are just going hell for leather. Luke Parker up front has worked wonders. And you mentioned Chad Warner. He has absolutely exploded. He is a very exciting talent. There's, I couldn't really say more. Sydney are really on the cusp of something special here. Do you, do you agree? Oh, 100%. Uh, I just want to give a special mention, Brad Close. I reckon he's going to be a good footballer in the future as well in a couple of years. Played a really strong game for the for the Cats and kept them in the game. Um, yeah. We'll head through. Actually, to the before we head, I just want to say, uh, touch on your Callum Mills performance. The fact that he was able to tag pa- um, Patrick Dangerfield to about 16 touches and still get about 28 touches himself is just simply phenomenal. So I just want to highlight that because that's he's a great that's incredible to be a tagger and still get those numbers is ridiculous he's a great football player um we head into saturday collingwood adelaide i don't think anyone was too surprised about this collingwood played a really good game i don't think there's much to say about this one ben keys had a pretty good game good to see jordan dawson playing it also getting into it um for adelaide but um other than that um yeah, just a just a pretty dominant game by Brody Grundy, I'd say. Fifteen touches as a ruckman with twenty nine hitouts, um, and one goal. Um, you don't see it too too often with ruckmen, so um, yeah, it's pretty dominant. So I don't have really too much to add to that. Do you have anything else? Yeah, bit of a snooze fest in my opinion. It was two teams that are very uh much alike each other in the way they play, but it just shows how uh important efficiency inside fifty is. Uh, the fact that Adelaide has the three top disposal getters from Adelaide top... Uh, actually, four. The four top disposal getters from the game were from Adelaide, and they dominated the ball outside of the middle and moving the ball. And once they got to their forward 50 and trying to kick it in, it was just embarrassing. Fumble, fumble, fumble. Kicks off the side of the boot. Uh, sprayed kicks. Uh, dropped marks. Collingwood made the most of their forward 50 entries, and they got the Chockeys by 42 points. If Adelaide made more of a made a better um, efficiency going inside fifty, they much the game would have been much closer. And we'll touch on that again when we get to Hawthorne and Port Adelaide. I'm really keen on picking that game apart. But yeah, bit of a snooze fest this one. What about the next one? Yeah, a bit bit the same. I think everyone knew Brisbane were going to win that one. Just a special mention: Lockie Neal back to his best. Two Great. goals, forty-one to, uh, touches. Say no more. Um, Great one that, but um, we'll keep that one pretty brief because we we um we're pretty low on time. So we'll get into the Hawthorne Port LA because we'll spend a bit of time on this one. Um, wow, 
No one saw that coming. Um, yeah. I can, I can tell you right now, Sam Mitchell is going to coach this side to a premiership in the next five years. Um, wow. I, I didn't think that, but honestly, he, he just understands football. He knows how to do it. And he's um he's just absolutely dominating. Mitch Lewis is going to be a great football player in the next three years. Um, Chad Wingard um, kicked two goals from three disposals, and that's about it, but still, still kicked two goals. Um, but yeah, just the the young combination with the old combination with Bruce and Gunston, um, I reckon they're not too far out. And John Newcomb as well, I reckon he's a good pickup for them. And then you've got the the experience of um, Tom Mitchell in there, and Warpole and O'Meara are, are getting into there as well. So um, yeah, and Sicily's almost back to his best. So I, I'm pretty pretty surprised to see it, but um, wow, I, I'm impressed. Yeah, it was a shocker. Um... Out of the top seven disposal getters of the game, six of them were Port Adelaide. They dominated possession. They had far more disposals throughout the entire game than Hawthorne. But as we said, the efficiency going inside 50, they were 7-14 to 19-6. Like, it just shows you how crucial that is to the game. And like you said, Sam Mitchell, he's a guru. He understands footy. And the first two... Uh, rounds for the Hawks have been coaching masterpieces by him. He has played a phenomenal game plan that exposes the opposition's weaknesses. Port Adelaide, they got exposed on last Saturday night. The fact that they have no forwards at the moment to distribute to, such as Charlie Dixon, is really, really, really worrying. But against other teams, they've been able to hide that. But Hawthorne exposed them purely. They locked down those few small forwards that they had that, you know, there wasn't a big target to have, and the ones they did were taken completely out of the game. Whereas, like you said, Mitch Lewis dominated. They put it on his te- chest every time he went in, and he kicked five. Um, yeah, Hawks by 64 in Adelaide. No one expected it. I still don't think Hawks are going to get that far out the ladder this year. I just think that this is new coach, new attitude uh, hype. I still think they're going to be finishing in the the bottom five of a competition, but exciting things for Hawthorne within the next five years. I think you I don't know if they're going to win a premiership, but they're definitely going to be back to playing finals footy consistently within the next three years. Um, all right, we'll move past that one. Um, the next game on the agenda would, of course, be Suns Melbourne. I'm excited by the Suns. Nobody expected them to. Well, except for me, really. I thought 1-39 to for Melbourne was definitely going to be on the case. They were always going to cover like the 30-plus point line that the bookies gave them. The Suns are a good football team. I don't know why people are writing them off. For them to be taking the reigning premiers to within 13 points really impresses me. My mind, Turk Miller's an absolute freak. Brought his own footy to the game. What were your thoughts, Nick? Um... I'll tell you what the difference was, and it was something that no one probably expected in this game because you've got Max Gorn, who's probably the most dominant ruck in the game. But I thought Jared Witts absolutely tore him apart. Uh, look at the hitouts now. Jared Witts sat at 38 hitouts, and Max Gorn had 18. Yeah, he shared the ruck with Luke Jackson, but still, 38 hitouts to 18 for Max Gorn is, is it's insane. So... Um, that's that was the biggest pit that um, almost took him over the line. Yeah, but Tuke Miller and, and Christian Petrarca, two of the best players in the comp, obviously. Noah Anderson as well had, a, had an absolute ripper game. Two goals with 25 touches. Um, Clayton Oliver, obviously, always consistent. 34 touches and a goal. 
Um, but my big one, which is the game changer in the end, that probably won him a game, Luke Jackson. 21 touches for a, for a tall bloke like him. Two goals, 16 hitouts, and um, five tack uh, four tackles. Sorry, it's it's insane. So that was probably the game changer for me. But um, yeah, I, I'd like to see a bit more from Gorney there. I feel like he could he could be a bit more dominant. He's he's done it for so many years, and um, he probably let Gold Coast get a li- a little bit closer than they probably should have. Yeah, fair enough. But uh, we'll move on to Sunday. It was a massive snooze fest. North Melbourne took on the uh, East Coast, uh, the East Coast, sorry, the West Coast Waffle Team. Um, geez, that was. It just shows how weak North Melbourne are to lose win that game by only fifteen. To be honest, your re- uh, don't get excited, North fans. I'm going to be really harsh on you here, but your round one effort was putrid. It was disgusting. And the fact that you lost a really easily winnable game in round one against the Hawks and then now have only won by 15 points over a team that was half made up of blokes that play reserves every week and then six of them don't even play in the AFL, it's disgusting. But I will admit the big Suva, the big Nick Larky, five goals, congratulations. But yeah, I am not one bit at all impressed with North Melbourne at the moment and they're really showing why... They were the wooden spooners last year. But Nick, am I being harsh or are you with me here? Yeah, no, it's 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 a fair point. It's um it's not great to see. I honestly thought that even West Coast could could pull a mischief in this one, so I tipped them. Um That's even, why I tipped them as well. Yeah, because North Melbourne are just weak as so let's just leave it at that. Um same here. All Sunday was pretty boring to be honest. Um Richmond versus Giants, um Tom Green, wow. He's going to have a breakout year this year and he's going to be a dominant player. Um, Giant Academy boy coming through, 34 touches. Um, I'm pretty sure he started pretty well in round one as well. So that's the only thing I really took out of that game. And then, yeah, anything else that you want to add to that one? I mean, I think it was poor from the Giants to lose by 36 against a Richmond team that they really could have beaten. I think that's going to be really crucial for their season. I think that might come back to bite them. But uh, it was just another game where it was going inside 50 that killed them. I think about nine of the top 10 disposal getters within that game were all Giants. They had all the footy going in inside 50. They just couldn't get it done, whereas Richmond could. So I think that's been a big telling point throughout the first two weeks. I'm going to keep on harking on about it until clubs get it right and start hitting their targets going inside 50 because it's what's going to win you games. Uh, Sunday afternoon, geez, the Dockers, they always get stuck in the Sunday afternoon game. Uh, Dockers going down by 10 to the Saints. Did you have any big touching points coming out of it? Wow, Angus Brayshaw is going to be a genuine player as well. 40 touches, 26 kicks, 10 marks and 8 tackles with one goal as well. Absolutely dominated. Um, He almost single-handedly won the Dockers this game. Um, Jack Steele was a bit disappointing, to be honest. I thought um, could have been a little bit better. Brad Hill was a good one. Had a bit of a a breakout game, but... um, yeah, Matt, um, Max King f- kicking, I think, three goals in like two minutes as well. He's just a genuine player. But that's the only real thing that took it out of, out of that one. So that's that's me for the for the round review. Anything you want to add? Yeah, you said it perfectly, I think. Yeah, the, I think the only reason Freo lost that game was no Fife and no Mundy in the midfield. They were all very, very young in the midfield. They're going to be great players someday. But um, inexperience, talent doesn't make up inexperience, and that's what lost them at the end of the day in my opinion. But um, other than that, let's get cracking into a red-hot 
round three. A lot of good matchups here. Starting off with a game that we were almost at if Buddy didn't kick it last Friday night. Western Bulldogs, Sydney Swans. Game of the round to kick us off uh, on Thursday. Who have you got? Oh, actually, no tips are later. Just what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think it'll be a real big telling point for the how the season will go for Western Bulldogs. Um, because if they lose one here, um, they've also got uh they've got Richmond round four at the MCG. I feel like their confidence will be down low, where they need to win in the next two rounds. And um, the Swans are going to be a tough one here because they're just going to be on top of the world. Buddy's on top of the world. Pretty much the same squad as last week. They're just playing better and better every round. Um, uh. Yeah, uh, that's all I have to say about it. Um, what about you, mate? Um, okay, so the big things is Bont seems to apparently in training be moving freely with this ankle injury, so hopefully he comes out and is back to his best. Uh, Aaron Norton is going to play. That's massive. Um, and the Swans boys, I thought we'd end up be playing your VFL team this week with all the COVID, but no, not one player has gotten COVID yet after of 30,000 fans stormed the field and gave them all big sloppy kisses and hugs, so... They all had COVID in pre-season, that's why. Yeah, probably. But, um, yeah, it's going to be a full-strength Bulldogs against a full-strength Swans team, and those games are always really, really good. So I'm really looking forward to it. Um, Like you said, Bulldogs really need to win this one to get their confidence back. Honestly, I think they can. I think they can bounce back because, like I said, they got exposed a bit in the first two rounds, and I think Bevo's going to be smart enough to see that, adjust the game plan, and... uh, Really give uh, them a red hot crack. Also, we get Bailey Smith back, which is a big telling point. But it's time for my big call of the week in the fact that Jack McRae, I'm going to call you out here. You are not winning us games at the moment. And that is might be a big call. He's still one of the best players in the game. Don't get me wrong. Anyone that goes out and gets 35 plus a week is one of the best players in the game. But he is not a game changer. He is not a game winner. He is a ball magnet. And there's a big difference I'll go through some other examples. Tom Mitchell, ball magnet, not a game winner. Patrick Cripps, game winner. Marcus Bontempelli, game winner. Christian Petrarca, game winner. Clayton Oliver, ball magnet, not a game winner. There's the big difference between these players within the competition that, yeah, go out and get a lot of um, dump handballs, dump kicks, and get a lot of touches, but they're not the big impact making um, on the game and winning it for us. I think Jack McRae could be a massive... Um, telling point for this game. If he comes out of it and actually change, evolves from ball magnet into game winner, he wins it for the dogs. And that's my big call for the week. It all rides on Jack McRae's shoulders. Nick, am I an idiot or am I a genius? You're an, I think you're an absolute idiot, mate. When How is he going to change his game in a week when he's played like that for the last six, like five or six seasons? He's. I he's, think he just needs to get, get want, away from you, the dumb handball. No, you go have a look at his stats for the last Two years, he would have been averaging probably, what, 30 touches, I'd say. And I reckon it would have been probably 10 kicks and 20 handballs. There's no way he's going to be able to change anything. He's he's he literally – and you go look at his kicks that he does. They're little, they're little 10-meter chip kicks. He's just, he just, he's, just a, he's just a jet and gets the football, but he doesn't do anything with it. It doesn't – like, yeah, I, I think what you're saying makes sense, but it's just stupid. It's just like picking – a random player and saying, oh, Nick Blakey is going to win the game for the Swans. Like, it doesn't really make sense. I get what you mean, but when you, you go back and you look at it, he's shown signs of it in the past where he's, he's 
When? I don't, I don't, I, he's, he's shown it. I can't give examples off the top of the head, but if you go back and look through it, there have been games where he's moved away from the little 10-meter chip kicks into the forward 50 that end up getting picked off to deep penetrating balls that are put on Aaron Norton and Josh Bruce's head and the Bulldogs are better for it. That's all I'm saying. I'm saying that this week he needs to forget about the little chip kick one-twos. He needs to get that ball, one, two, three, bang, deep kick into the forward 50 like a Bont, like a Cripper, like Bailey Smith has started to do because that's what win teams game. That's what won Carlton the game last week. They were one, bang, one, two, into the forward 50 right on Harry Mackay's head. We don't need the tap to go down to Jack McRae for him to give one handball, get another one, then a little chip off to Libba, and then Libba gets it down into there. No, we need Jack McRae to take that ball in his hands, run through the midfield, and a nice big kick down onto uh, Aaron Norton's head. And I think that's what's going to win the game for the Dogs. Fair enough, we'll move on. Um, Melbourne Essendon, pretty boring game. Not much to say about it, to be honest, I don't think. Um, yeah, I don't have anything to touch on this one. I think it's a pretty self-explanatory game. What about you? Uh, yeah, uh, there would have been more to touch on if Zach Barrett didn't go down for with a massive syndesmosis injury. Is now eight for eight, out for eight weeks. Yeah, Melbourne should be running over the top of the Bombers in this one. I expect them to get it done quite comfortably. Uh, and we move on to the other Friday night game with the showdown. Do you like the fact that they're doing two on a Friday night and it being overlapping, not one after the other? No, I'm not a fan, to be honest, but um, it is what it is. Um, Adelaide, Port Adelaide, um, going to be a good game, this one, because Port Adelaide got a lot to prove right now. Um, I think they're 0-2, are they? 0-2, so... Yep, yep. Um, got a lot to prove. Adelaide got nothing to lose against these guys. They've been... Bottom team in Adelaide for the last couple of years. They've got um, nothing to lose, so I think it'll be a pretty good game. So good one for a Friday night. Um, but yeah, not really too much else to touch on. I don't think there's any real big points to to go into for that one. Yeah, no. Rory Sloan potentially going to play. Maybe not. We all know Alira Lear is out, so those are some big outs. Uh, Charlie Dixon also not ready yet to line up for Adelaide. I don't believe so. Yeah, like you said, it's going to be an Adelaide team with a lot to prove and a Port Adelaide team that is really on the back foot at the moment. So I think it's going to be one of the better showdowns in a while because I don't think this one's going to be the classic Port Adelaide dominating Adelaide. So looking forward to that one. We move into Saturday where we get a bit more of a better footy landscape. GWS versus Gold Coast. I reckon if Swans versus uh, Bulldogs is going to be game of the round, I think this one's going to be a... uh, Nice little runner-up. I think these two teams are going to put on an absolute show at Giants Stadium. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's going to be a good game, this one. Um, it's going to be real close, I hope. Um, Matt Rao um, and Lockie Whitfield going to set the tone. So um, between those two, I reckon it's it's going to be the game changer. But Tuke Miller, Tim Taranto, um, you've got some big names in there. So, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a good one for me. Um, head into Collingwood versus Geelong. I think this will be a pretty good game as well. Geelong got to bounce back a little bit. Um, however, I just it's it's whoever turns up on the day. To be honest, there's not too much separating these teams at the moment. Um, anything you want to add? I think yeah, it's considering that Collingwood's come out and played a really good brand of footy under their new coach, 
and the fact that Geelong have changed their way of the game. They don't play slow footy anymore. They're playing the free open footy that all the other clubs have gotten on board with. I think this is going to be a Collingwood versus Geelong game that's going to be unlike any other that we've seen in the last few years. I'm really looking forward to this one. I think it's going to be open. They're going to spread all the way across the MCG. It's going to be fast, exciting footy. They're going to be, yeah, there's not much else I can say. They're now playing a, the brand of footy that gets you wins in modern day AFL and it's no longer going to be a, a slow, um, yeah, it's, it's just not going to be slow. I reckon this is going to be very fast footy and if Collingwood come out in here and beat Geelong and go 3-0, and well, the world's their oyster where everyone wrote them off at the start of the year, including me, but yeah, if they somehow get over the Geelong... They're in for a big year, in my opinion. It's going to be a massive telling point for both of these teams' future in the comp. But um, move on to Brisbane versus North Melbourne. Uh, this one's a to have bit, him on a Saturday night. Yeah, Sorry, bit, bit of a weird one. It's it's the worst game I'm going to see, and I don't want to talk about it anymore because it's just going to make me more angry. Get straight yeah. into Sunday. Um, Sunday game's ruined at the moment. I think the commentary on a Sunday for the AFL is atrocious. Um, I'll just say that right now. They need to sort that out because I, I literally, watching football on a Sunday, have to mute the game because the commentary is that terrible. I don't know if you saw a couple of clips from St. Kilda versus Fremantle. Oh, it was terrible. It was, it was absolutely dreadful. Um, and it's it's it really it's really disappointing to see the AFL. It's a bit that really lets them down because uh, Carlton Hawthorne, I, in my opinion, this is one of the games of the round. Um, Why is it this on Saturday night? Like, seriously. 100%. After the last two weeks, why is this not Saturday night primetime? 100%. So, it's a bit annoying, but it is, I guess what it, it is what it is. But, um, yeah, like I said, um, they need to sort that commentary out. But Carlton versus Hawthorne, uh, this is going to be a great game. Um, see how Sam Mitchell comes out for this one. But, um, yeah, I'll get into the tip a bit later. Um, anything you want to add for that one? Um, I agree with you 100% with the commentary. The reason that is, I don't know if people out there don't know this, but... Through the last two years, they've had commentators commentating every game out of a small studio in Melbourne, only seeing what we see on TV for COVID reasons, which is fair enough. There's no excuse to be doing that anymore, and that's exactly what they are doing. The game between Saints and Fremantle were being that was in Optus in Perth was being commentated by a group of commentators sitting in a studio watching the TV in Melbourne. And that's why it was so lacklustre. They couldn't see anything that was going on behind play. They couldn't see how the plays were developing. They were just seeing what we saw on TV and what was in front of them. That's why the reactions weren't as big to the big moments. And that's why they weren't sure what players were doing what. Because they're not there seeing them in the flesh. And it needs to be fixed. You're right, Nick. The commentary is absolutely atrocious. There's no excuse for them not to be getting people live in person at the game like they used to. I know there's a cost-cutting aspect of it, but it just dampens the product in general. But, uh, yeah, not much else to say. Carlton versus Hawthorne, it's the game of the Sunday. Should be Saturday night prime time. Uh, yeah, going to be really, really big one. Um, move on to Richmond versus St. Kilda. Another one that I think is going to be a big telling point for both of them. They're both one and one uh, I think whoever loses this will probably go bit of, for a bit of a dip in quality because they're both teams that need this for confidence. It's going to make or break the next three rounds, I reckon, whoever gets the confidence coming out of this one. Um, so what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's going to be a good game. Um, it's just whoever rocks up. There's not real anyone that's going to really win them games. Jack, Jack Steele, if he rocks up, they'll win. If... Um, yeah, if a couple of other players for Richmond, if Tom Lynch has a good game, Jack Rewell have a good game, they usually play pretty well. So 
Um, yeah, it's a good, it'll be it'll be a tough one. But yeah, um, and the last one, West Coast versus Fremantle. I can already tell you, this is going to be the worst commentary out of any of the games. Oh game. my god! Someone get me a pillow. Um, this will be an absolute boring game. Um, and yeah, but I, I don't want to talk about it. Let's get into the tips, mate. Um, that might cheer us up a little bit. Yes. Okay. Bulldogs, Swans. I'm pretty sure we all know who's going to be tipping what in the Mock Sports Cup, but who have you got and why? Uh, yeah, I'm going for the Swans. Um, I reckon they're going to get it done by by 18 points. Um, yeah, they've just been too dominant. Um, yeah. I just don't think any, any real threat down back from, from the Bulldogs that are going to put down um, our our small forwards and also our, our big forwards there as well who have been playing pretty well. Um, so that's just my opinion. Um, I feel like our backs are gelling really well with our midfield. And, um, yeah, I feel like we're a dominant side at the moment. Yeah, don't blame you. Bulldogs could definitely go 0-3 here. Would not be surprised. But going to get it done by six, in my opinion. These, these sort of games always come down right to the end. It either you know it's either within a goal or within a couple goals that's just been stretched out in a final spurt by one team. I think eighteen points is probably too much, but uh, yeah, Bulldogs by six for me. What about Melbourne Essendon Nick? Yeah, Melbourne Melbourne take it by by probably thirty two points. Petrarca kicks three goals and has thirty six touches, and then Clayton Oliver has thirty six touches with um yeah, so give me a dominant win from from Petrarca and. And Oliver. Yeah, Melbourne, uh, there's not much to say about it. It should be a blowout game. I don't expect it to get over a 40-point win. But, yeah, anything from 24 to 40 probably is about the benchmark that the Demons should be winning in this game against a real understrength Essendon side, especially after last week where the game on paper, they should have been beating Gold Coast by a lot more. They didn't, but I think... Now they'll be back in Melbourne. They're on the MCG. They're on home turf. They should absolutely lay waste to Essendon. Uh, the showdown, Adelaide, Port Adelaide, who have you got? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go for Port Adelaide by one point here. I reckon it's going to be a real tight one, but I reckon Port Adelaide got a bit more experience. Um, they dominated the game, but I feel like Adelaide just won't have a game plan set that the way that Hawthorne did, and I feel like they'll gel really nicely, And uh, um, but it'll be a good game. So one point win by Port Adelaide for me. Fair enough, I'm going to go Adelaide by one. I, like you, think it's going to be a really, really tight game. Like I said, it's probably going to be the best uh, showdown you've seen in a while because they're two teams that are in real similar positions. Um, it's going to be really competitive, I think. Yeah, Adelaide going to get right over the top of them just at the end there. Probably might be even a goal on the siren. I think Adelaide with nothing to prove against a Port Adelaide that's on the back foot like I discussed earlier. I think Port Adelaide... Uh, are going to uh, let this one go. I think they just won't be as hungry as a young and upcoming, coming, young and upcoming Adelaide Crows. Uh, you know that sort of attitude got them some a few shock wins last year, and I think one of those shock wins for this year is going to be this one. Um, GWS versus Gold Coast. Yeah, I'm going to tip the the Suns here. I reckon they're going to get up here at Giant Stadium. Um, it'll be a good one, but Tuke Mill is just too dominant at the moment. And Matty Rowell combined with him, Noah Anderson, Jack Lacocious, um, Gold Coast, I really like them this year. I feel like they'll take this one. Same, bro. Gold Coast for the top eight. You know us. That's the deal here. 
Well, yeah, well, I'm, I reckon they're going all the way to the finals, and they're going to go 2-1. and one. They always start the year well. They've started the year well this week, uh, year, and yeah, Giants are really on the back foot. They've been playing some really terrible footy without uh, Toby Green there to steady the ship, and I think, like you said, that midfield of uh, the Suns, Miller, Anderson, Rao, they're going to run right over the top of them. Uh, Collingwood versus Geelong. Yeah, I reckon the Cats take this one. I reckon they bounce back. Didn't play too badly. I thought the Swans just tore them to bits. Um, going back home for this one, um, Collingwood. Just don't have too many too many impressive midfielders for me. Nick Dacos has is, is got probably a year in him before he becomes an absolute dominant midfielder. Um, but Brody Grundy is going to be the difference. If he, if he turns up and plays a good game, Collingwood would steal it. But I reckon Geelong will, will bounce back with um, Cameron and, and Hawkins there because they had a pretty quiet game and they don't usually have two quiet games in a row. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. Geelong by 18 for me for every reason that you just said. They're going to be back in Victoria. They're going to uh, take the experience of last week under, um, under note. They're going to make the adjustments they need to make. And... Uh, yeah, I think without also a tagger on their best midfielder, if Collingwood don't choose to tag Paddy Dangerfield, the game will open up much more for them. So, yeah, Cats by 18. Uh, Brisbane North, do we even need to discuss who we're tipping? Yeah, Brisbane. Brisbane by about 40 points. So, yep. yep. Uh, Carlton Hawthorne. Oh, it's going to be a good game. I think Carlton take it. Um, like to see the game plan that Hawthorne come up with against against Carlton here, and it'll be a really good game. But I think Carlton snag it by four points. Uh, Carlton by twelve for me. Carlton by two goals. I think yeah. Um, everything you said, uh, it's going to be a ripper of a game. Should be Saturday prime time. But uh, definitely tune into that one, punters. Um, St Kilda Richmond. Oh, I feel like the Saints take it. Um. Yeah, got a lot to prove. They've always been there and thereabouts. It's just whether or not they can break out. Max King is just going to keep developing. And, um, yeah, so I really like the look of the Saints in this one. So, yeah, Saints for me. So do I. I think the Saints get up by less than 12. I think it'll be a really, really tight one. Like, again, I think maybe it's maybe a Maxi King brilliance in the last quarter. Gets a couple of late goals to get him over the line. Like you said earlier in the round preview, uh, Jack Steele needs to show up and not get tagged or really shake off that tagger if they do choose to put someone on him. And if he does that, he'll blow the game wide open, as he always does. He is an absolute game winner, not a ball magnet, as I hark back to that conversation I had earlier. Uh, yeah, Saints by, I'll go eight. And then, oh, God. Jeez, get me a pillow. Who's winning the uh, Western Derby? Yeah, the Dockers, the Dockers take it. Um, Brayshaw dominates, gets it done. Um, yeah, that's all I have to say, and don't want to talk about it anymore. Yeah, uh, I reckon East. I keep saying East Coast, West Coast are going to have to rock up in COVID masks at this rate. Jeez, uh, if Frio don't win this one, I would think it would be starting to get a little concerning. I know that a lot of uh, West Coast players come back into it after they don't have COVID anymore, but still. They're a very depleted team at the moment, and if the Dockers can't get up, I th- or at least challenge them, worrying signs, but I think uh, Dockers by 18 in the Western Derby, and that concludes the tips for round three. You're winning them at the moment. You've, you've taken a lead after the second round. Do you reckon you're going to be able to sustain it? Oh, yeah, because have got some outrageous tips in there, so I'm going to be one for one <laughs> tomorrow night, and um, yeah, it's all right. Oh, fair enough. Uh, well, that concludes Fair Bump Play On for round three. Anything to say to our 
little listeners before we go, Nick? Uh, nothing to say. Enjoy the week. Have some, yes. have some beers. Get on it. Too easy. <laughs> Enjoy the footy punters. We will see you next week. Uh,